You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. A little chilly. We've turned down the heat so that it won't come on during the podcast. Because the furnace is directly under our microphone. <laughs> I always imagine like little men that are down there actually like feeding coal into a... That's what it is. <laughs> with little hobgoblins yeah. in the basement. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking with Charlie, who has a podcast called What Happened at Braley Pond? Do you get the answer to that? Yeah, I mean, several things happened at Braley Pond, and I'm only on episode two. After that, we will be hearing the first part of a really long but really interesting interview I did with Everett, who talks about haunted houses and this gray encounter and orbs and poltergeist activity. It's kind of a really intense thing, and I think, you know, without diagnosing someone themselves as haunted. I think he's just one of these people that is haunted, that just keeps experiencing things. But the stories are really, really good. It's really intense at times. And his stories will be continued into next week because I talked to him for a really long time. I could have talked to him even longer. 
The stories were just amazing. The first package, the first version of the Witch Cloud with the record is sold out. Sold out in less than 24 hours. Thank you to everyone who's gotten any version of it. Package number two, which is the hardcover book and the woven patch and the vinyl sticker and the download of the audiobook, which is episode 300 and the bonus podcast and the music and everything that goes with it. That is still available. Still have plenty of copies of that. You can find that at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. That is the only way to get episode 300. Unless you're a patron, like I said, we will be giving the audio, just the audio to patrons at some point in the future. But uh, the idea and the hope is everyone will get it now. There's also a version that is just the audio download. So if you're a minimalist and you don't want all that awesome illustrated book and (laughs) super cool sticker and amazing patch, if you don't want that in your house, you can just get the download as well. The Witch Cloud, like I said, will serve as Strange Familiar's episode 300. I'm super proud of it. We worked on it for over a year, probably more like a year and a half. We had some pretty intense nights doing the investigation. It's kind of an on-site investigation combined with an audiobook and then a whole follow-up on-site podcast where Soraya came out there with Chad and myself and the first new Black Happy Day song in 15 years. So it's definitely a passion project for me. Go ahead and go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com if you want to pick that up. Links are in the show notes. By that timeline, shouldn't you really be working on, like, episode 400? Right now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You should be at least starting to formulate a plan. I didn't know that this was going to be episode 300 when I started it. I was just working on a project. We were just doing this research, and it turned into a bigger project. And then Chad, at some point, had said, like, maybe someday you you can turn one of our investigations into a book. This wasn't originally going to be a book, and then it worked out that it was, and... It's just been quite the journey, and I'm, I'm super happy. And, of course, these journeys never end, but at some point you kind of put a marker and say, this much of the journey we will document now in this book, in this podcast. Just a note, on Bandcamp, it says that it is a CD. That's the only way I could list that item so that you would get the audio download when you buy the book. Bandcamp is set up for musicians, not really for podcasters or, or audiobooks and so forth. It does not come with a CD. You get a digital download, you get a book, patch, sticker. But that's the only way I could list it that way. So you could pre-order it and get the download when the download is ready. The Witch Cloud, it's available on stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Again, links are in the show notes. Thanks to everybody who has purchased it so far. So let's go ahead and talk with Charlie and hear about his podcast, What Happened at Braille Pond. Tonight we're talking with Charlie, who is the creator of a podcast called What Happened at Braley Pond, which I think will appeal to all Strange Familiars listeners. How are you doing tonight, Charlie? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I listened to the first two episodes. I don't know if you have any more out at this point at the time we're recording, but I am hooked. It is an excellent podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I actually have the third one just released on this past Friday. And then the fourth one will will come out this next Friday. So every a new episode every Friday until we hit nine episodes. So me and my research partner were out last Thursday researching this thing we're working on. I'm not really ready to talk about it, but we were on at night 
on these state game lands and all the spooky stuff was going on around us. And then uh, on the way home, I knew I had to, I had to listen for, cause we had an interview coming up. So well, I'll put that podcast on. It was quite the uh, mood enhancer coming home. <laughs> it continued the, the spooky moods of the night driving all the way home. So this podcast is about a specific place, Brelly Pond. How did you find out about this place? So I was writing, uh, I was a, I'm a freelance writer and I was writing, was working for a online or a magazine at the time called The Dirt, um, which is a camping, it's a camping app, but it's also a camping magazine. And we, you know, we write about, you know, the outdoors and campgrounds and different things like that. And it was getting to be around Halloween and I always, Halloween's probably my favorite holiday. And so I, I wanted to do something Halloween themed and um so i i was like well, what how can i integrate halloween and camping and so i started asking around about haunted haunted campgrounds and i have a friend who i worked with when when i worked corporate i had a, a co-worker who is a paranormal investigator on the weekends uh, it's his side gig and um i i asked him you know if he knew of any cool like haunted campgrounds and uh he said you know Braley Pond, like it's what he had never been there, but he's like, I, I hear that place is is really haunted. So I, I just started researching online and found all this information about it. It was all conflicting information. It was all like, you know, lots of different things going on there. You know, supposedly one of the most haunted campgrounds in America, and so uh, I just went down a rabbit hole with that. Did you end up visiting, or at the time, did you just kind of write the article? Uh, I, at the time I just wrote the article, I, I was connected with Shay after doing some, some digging around online and contacting a few different people that, uh, guy named, um, Marty Siebel connected me with Shay, uh, who's kind of the, the main person, uh, one of the main people in the podcast who experienced some really crazy things at Bradley Pond. And so she kind of told me her story and, there was so much more to go with it, though, that I couldn't include in the article because I had a word limit um, that I, I felt like I needed to do something else with it. And I love podcasts, so I, I thought maybe the podcast route would be the, the best way to do it. We put together a really nice podcast. The, the music, the production, everything. Very, very nice. As I told you in a, in a private email, I was quite jealous you, you had all these people to work with. <laughs> the process was is interesting because it was just... It was just me for a long time, just trying to figure out like how how the hell am I going to do this? Because uh, I don't have much editing, audio editing experience. I've done a little bit, but I knew that I needed some music, and I I I wanted a musician to do it, and asked around. And Mike Trovacock is the guy that was suggested to me by a friend um, who's he's um, up in Canada, and he was a um a member of the killjoys which was a 90s kind of like um i guess alternative band in, uh, up in canada I, I remember them um i remember a couple of songs from them when when i was in high school and then uh you know so he was just going to do the music but then he offered to work around my really really modest budget because i mean i i i'm not getting paid for any i mean this is all just, just a passion project with my freelancing i just worked extra gigs to be able to pay him some money to do the editing and stuff and he he's he's been terrific and um 
he really like if it wasn't for him this thing would not exist you know i wrote it and put the story together and did all the interviews and then mike uh you know i i had a, a buddy my buddy bill colrus who was uh, an editor uh, he's a freelance writer as well but he um gave me my first writing job uh, years ago at a local newspaper, uh, all, all alternative weekly newspaper. And so uh, he was my story editor. And then um, my neighbor, Ashton Lance, offered to do the website, you know, no charge. And because uh, he's huge into paranormal stuff and horror movies and things like that. And he's like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do the website for you. And then I've got a few other buddies who, who worked on a graphic design. So, I mean, it, it, honestly, it was just a, kind of it just all kind of came together out of the kindness of others it sounds great and uh, i was initially suspicious of of it coming from a bigger source which is a yeah. i mean I mean that as a compliment it's a very very nice production thanks yeah that's all mike as far as the audio production goes it really it was just a story that i just couldn't shake i felt like i needed to tell more of it and so i'm happy just to kind of get it out get it out there you know what is the like sort of the first the initial story that you found out about Bradley Pond other than hearing like it's haunted what what was the story you heard that went along with it the story I heard was that there was a murder there and you know the dates are always we're, we're, we're never quite right but there was a murder there and then there was a suicide there a paranormal investigator had had committed suicide there after experiencing some weird things there supposedly from the ghost of the person who was murdered there and then there had been other creepy things like spirits hovering over the water there and some things that i i questioned like you know like children i think and i and i was like well it's a campground people <laughs> people bring their kids to campgrounds and you know like i there were there were a number of different things like that when i was introduced to shay and shay was very she was a little hesitant to tell her story at first. Um, she needed to get to know me a little bit just because she didn't want to be taken advantage of and in in, in made it into, she didn't want her story to, to be, you know, like she didn't want it to be made into some sort of horror movie or something like that. Like her, she feels like her experiences were, were very real and legitimate. And she wanted to make sure that, you know, whoever told her story did it out of respect for, you know, even if, that person, which I guess me, didn't doesn't necessarily buy into all that. Uh, and I'm not a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm a skeptic per se, but I just, I just have an experience. I have to experience it for myself to really believe believe it. I'm not saying that the like the paranormal doesn't exist. I just, I need to experience it for myself. And it's not, and I'm not even saying that I don't believe people who when they tell me that because maybe some people are making it up. I don't think Shay was making up at all. What, what she experienced. Am I giving too much away to say that she was supposedly the paranormal investigator that had committed suicide? No, not at all. No, she, uh, yeah, I mean, that she was, I think you probably still find those sites out there where it's just like these really vague details. Um, yeah, she she um, obviously was, was not, I mean, she was, I mean, she was supposedly the person that committed suicide, but she's very much alive and well. Yeah, um, as someone who does a, a lot of this, I mean a lot of it. My first book was basically breaking down one of these local places like that here in York County. It's uh, called Toad Road. It's one of these infamous places that has all these stories about it. And 
so I kind of broke it down and was like, okay, here's the real story. Here's what really mm-hmm. happened. You know, here's what's in the weird Pennsylvania and weird USA books and, and it's nonsense. But let me get to the real story. So when I'm listening to this, like I said, I do so much of this. I hear suicide and I immediately, you know, as I'm listening, I'm like, nope, didn't happen. And then mm-hmm. I heard murder and I did the same thing. I said, nope, didn't happen. But the, but it turns out there was a murder there, especially when you said that there was like a, a gangland murder or something. And I, as I'm listening, I'm just immediately doubtful. I'm like, no, didn't happen. I was wrong. Is that there was actually a murder there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the murder took place in 2003. I think it was May 2003. Um, and the kid's name was Christopher Kennedy. And um, the Bradley Pond is located near Stanton, Virginia, which is it's about a 30-minute drive, I think, from Stanton. Stanton itself has um, got a lot of history. It's it's a decently old. Um, I mean, it's I think it was it's been around since the 1700s. You know, it's got a really cute downtown. It's not a huge city but there's a lot of history there and in in the early 2000s there was a lot of gang activity in virginia because there are a lot of rural areas out there and so there was a lot of drugs and there wasn't much to do and so they got into trouble and joined these gangs and the gangs uh, from what i learned and what what i talk about in the podcast is that the gang situation was very serious in the early 2000s because larger like nationally known gangs would feed into Virginia because it was so close to like DC. It was, it had something to do with the location because that area was close to New York um, and DC and, and, and other kind of major cities, I guess where gangs um, were. And I talk about that in my, in my podcast, but yeah, he, he was stabbed multiple times at Braley Pond uh, in the middle of the night and left and dumped his body in the pond. The yeah, so episode day. two kind of takes this turn into true crime. You know, episode one is almost like a paranormal podcast. And episode two takes this turn into true crime where you talk to a friend of the victim and one of the, the guys that was accused of his murder, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heart-wrenching episode, especially to hear his friend speak of him. It just, you can tell how much his death really affected his friend. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Uh, and I honestly, I wouldn't have, I don't know that I would have done this podcast if it hadn't been for Kevin reaching out to me and sending me an email. He saw my article in a, in a, in the, in the magazine in a doctor's office. I didn't even realize it had been printed. I thought it was just online, but there was a print, a, you know, a print version of it in a magazine. And he um, saw it just, randomly and he said I, I figured everybody had forgotten about chris and you know when i talked to him it was just really he just really misses him i mean still you know i mean it's been almost 20 years and he it's like part of him was murdered too because he it was you know chris was his best friend and yeah i don't even know if kevin has listened to the podcast yet i've sent it to him um I guess I need to send it again. So I'm, I'm actually really curious to see to hear his thoughts about it. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very powerful episode. Thanks. Again, I've, I, you know, I've only heard the first two episodes. Does it drift back more into the paranormal as as the episodes mm-hmm. go on? It got, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, so it does. It gets back into Shay and her background. There's other things that happened to Shay besides what happened to her at Braley Pond. And then I, you know, I del- I talked to other paranormal investigators around Stanton. 
it gets a bit crazy further into the the series. It gets and we yeah. So I go into some weird places with it, but it also goes into there's science involved too. So I, I talked to a one of those episodes. I go to Oak Ridge. Uh, National Laboratory and talked to a physicist and I talked to um, in one of the episodes I talked to a parapsychologist at the University of Virginia because they have a division of perceptual I think it's called the division of perceptual studies I believe is what it's called I talked to a parapsychologist there you know talked to a rabbi I think I talked to my old rabbi um, in episode three about religion and ghosts and you know Kind of go all over the place a little bit. In the first episode, and maybe these connections are made later on, you know, I, I'm a paranormalist, I guess. I don't know what to call myself. I'm not a ghost hunter, but I hunt ghosts. You know, I'm not a cryptozoologist, but I will go looking for Bigfoot. And I see them as all connected. So when I'm listening to episode one and I'm hearing them talk about Bigfoot and then ghosts separately, for me, I just go, ah ghost hunters because like the ghost hunters i've i've met and in fact it's not just the ghost hunters it's the cryptozoologists too they don't connect the two and when i hear especially hearing their experience where she's there and and they're having this sort of terrifying night and they're hearing something that splash in the water and not connecting that to both bigfoot and or the ghost you know for me it was like you got an either or perhaps both situation going on here to me as a paranormalist, it's, it's like, ah, come on, guys. It's it's all related. They all go together. I don't know if at some point it comes back and, and kind of you, you weave it together later on or not. We do get into that, actually, in a later episode. Yeah. Good. Shay gets into that a lot. Yeah, definitely. So how many episodes is it going to be? Nine episodes total. And then do you think the story's done for you? Or do you think you're going to come back to it? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I... I ended it in a way that it could be done but there's also a couple of things that, you know i don't know that there could be a i don't know if there's enough for a season two but there could be enough for like a couple of bonus episodes oh yeah, i'm really curious as to what else is coming up but i know it, we can't give away everything yet but is there ufo activity out there too there's a little mention of it yeah i would say so a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I think you stumbled onto what we would call a, a window area, although I think there's a lot more windows than, than people necessarily think. It sounds super interesting, and I'm really, really excited to listen to the rest of it to see where you go with it. Can you explain the window, the the window theory? Yeah, the, yeah. So these window areas are like an example would be if Skinwalker Ranch, if you're familiar with that, where mm-hmm. multiple things happen in one place that so people get, you know, ghosts and these cryptid things and UFOs and weird lights in the woods and animals turn up that maybe shouldn't be there or maybe were extinct, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of things like that. So it's just this mass of things all happen in one area. But like I said, I, you know, I think there's more of these places than people think. Do they bring the energy there because these places, you know, have something about them or are they these places created by people? bringing the energy there that I don't know. I think what you have is probably like what I would call a window area and eager to visit myself actually. Yeah. We, we get into that. Um, we use a little bit of t- different terminology, but yeah, I mean, we, we talk about that later, later in one of the later episodes for sure. It, li- it was literally one of those stories that I just thought was a ghost story. Right. right. And it, right. it ended up not it just going way beyond 
whatever whatever my imagination could possibly come up with went way beyond that and so there's a lot of layers to it and it it goes right along with kind of what you're talking about which i had never heard of before so i thought was really fascinating the podcast is called what happened at brelly pond where can people find it you can find it pretty much wherever you get your podcast so apple uh podcast spotify um Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. I just added it to Stitcher. And then you can also go to BrayleyPondPodcast.com, I believe, is our website. You can get the episodes there. And then there's some more information. Like you can read transcripts and see pictures and a little more information for each episode. Um, and you can also find it on Facebook, too. We have a, uh, What Happened at Brayley Pond Facebook page. And the podcast is on there as well. Oh, excellent. Just trying to get it out there as much as possible. If people listening have stories, do you want to hear them about the area? Of course. Yes, I would love to. There's a, on my, on the website, there is a contact us form. So um, you could just write the story there. Cause that, that was part of, part of it too, is trying to interview people who had heard stories or experienced things. So yeah, I would love to hear stories of anybody has any stories going out to Bradley Pond. Excellent. And they're welcome to share them with strange familiars too, but make sure to send them to Charlie because that's his point of interest there. Charlie, it's an excellent podcast. What happened at Bradley Pond? After I listen to all the episodes, maybe I'll have you back on and we can discuss it further. I would love that. Thank you very much. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for coming on Strange Familiars. Thank you for having me. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, next we're going to talk with Everett. Like I said, he has these pretty intense encounters, including a gray encounter and this haunted house stuff. 
as I'm going back over the interview to edit it, I'm just more and more impressed. It's just like, whoa, really some intense stuff. And you can tell in his voice, I think, that he was really affected by this stuff. Like I said, this will be part one of the interview. We will continue with Everett next week for part two. Let's go ahead and talk with Everett. Okay, tonight we're talking with Everett, who's going to share some of his experiences throughout his life with us. I know there's some UFO stuff, but it sounds like you got some other experiences as well. How are you doing tonight, Everett? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on Strange Familiars. So go ahead and you know start wherever you want. I know you, you had this UFO landing story, but you mentioned that there's some stuff early in your childhood. Did you want to start you know, chronologically, or how did you want to do this? Yeah, I think it's it's basically the best way to go because there's no real timeline, so to speak. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I've, there's such a uh, such an array of things I've dealt with over the years, and it's, in the end, here I am at 53 years old with nothing in the way of answers, but a huge question mark. Wow. I have some answers, but you know, I have more questions than anything, and I, I've never ever looked for anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that I, I have always had an open mind. I think that's what separates most people that experience anything is that's that is key, having an open mind and an imagination. And I've always been interested in that mystery, the unknown and that. So when like Sasquatch, the movie uh, Bigfoot came out in the theaters in the 70s, I was right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and anything to do with UFOs, you know, when Close Encounters came out and that kind of thing. It wasn't a whole lot. You just in search of, you know, and there's only three channels back then anyway, so there wasn't much being put out at all. Yeah. And you really didn't hear much about it, obviously. You know, everybody knows all that, what went on in the 70s. So, you know, my first thing was uh, I've always believed in almost all of it because I've had no reason not to. Mm-hmm. I was raised drip Catholic, you know, but I've always been defiant. I was forced to go to, like, Catholic like school and all that and go to catechism and confirmation and all that. But as soon as I was able to fly on my own, I boogied, you know, but I've always kind of thought for myself, if not because I had to, it was, you know, either by choice or if I, or I had to, it was one or the other, but I've always thought about things, you know, and it was a way of escape, but I was in Norwich, Connecticut. That's where I was born. I was about eight years old and it was summertime. It was July, and just the average day, it was about six of us out there, kids, all about the same age, eight, nine, right out, not even a stone's throw from my house, and it was called Johnson Place, and it was just a a hill, and houses on both sides of the line hill, and at the top was a big white house that was my uncle's aunt, she was ancient back then, she was in her 80s, and Anyway, we rode the boards down this hill, you know, and back then, you know, I don't know how we didn't kill ourselves because we did take some serious diggers. <laughs> but we got one day, uh, you know, crazy stuff. But one day, uh, we're at the bottom of the hill just shooting the breeze. And I just happened to look up and uh, atop of the hill, uh, we had been skating down above my uncle's aunt, above her house, way up above, I'd say about 100 feet above her house and it was probably i don't know i would say 350 yards away the house was and it was about 100 feet above that but you could see it very clearly it was a disc and it was fluttering just like a 
like a hummingbird's wings where you could see the the blur because it's going so fast. Yeah. And it was it was banking left, right, left, right. Like it was sort of trying to stabilize itself. It was very clear. It was just gray, not shiny gray, and just like a matte gray. You could see sun come off the top end of this thing, though. But it wasn't that big by by judging it. You know, if I was to think back about it, it might have been 20, 20 feet across, 25 max. It wasn't, I didn't consider it that big from, from, from where I was looking at it. And all we could do was point at it in awe. And that was that. You know, in them days, you know, you didn't even bother to go home and tell your mother because they didn't <laughs> care anyway. Right. Like, yeah, right, right, right. Whatever, you know. You know, they'd be cooking and smoking at the same time. You know, <laughs> the opposite of how you would raise yours. So that really piqued my interest. And throughout the years, in, in younger days in grade school, I would buy all the UFO books I could get my hands on and that kind of thing, you know, book fairs and whatnot. Right, yeah. And I've never experienced anything. And as far as ghosts, I've always believed in them. Why? I don't know. I just, I always figured, well, why not? You know? Mm-hmm. I just figured if if they weren't real, there wouldn't be all these stories about them. That's how I look at a lot of things. Yeah. Behind all these folklore, there's always a bit of truth that starts this stuff. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Whether it gets exaggerated down the road, that's, you know, neither here or there. There's always some truth behind these things. So I've always been interested, but, man, I had never had any issues with anything. And then uh, my mother wound up, she was she wanted a divorce when I was young. I was about four years old. And remarried about when I was about nine. And uh, we moved to Mystic, Connecticut, about 20 miles away from where we were. I remember when it was summertime. We hadn't been there that long. And my stepfather, I don't know why, the Red Sox came on. It was summertime. Down the blue, he says to me, dude, but my brother and I, my two brothers were sitting there. We were young kids just sitting on the floor. And he says, uh, hey, place is wanted, you know. And I remember looking up at him, and I'm like, what? He's like, place is wanted. I'm like, basically, what do you mean, for one thing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? He's like, oh, I just, you know, I know. I've seen things. I'm like, for, I'm, I just, I just kind of, I didn't even pry. It kind of creeped me out. But being a kid, it was summer, it was daylight. I ignored it. It was only down the road that, I had rethought about what he had said, you know, and I was like, why the hell would he say that, you know? Well, right. it turns out I didn't realize, well, he had had a, a daughter that was killed not long before all this mess by a drunk driver. She was five years old mm. and was chasing a dog out the road and mystic and got killed by a drunk driver. And like I said, she was five and, uh, I was wondering all this time, what's he shaking like a, like he's got Alzheimer's you know, or whatever, Parkinson's or whatever. You know, shake, shake, shake. I was like, wow, you know. Until I got the story later on, I was like, wow, that explains a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I never felt anything in the house. And all of a sudden, well, I went in the Army. I got out. And I was in four years doing that. Spent most of the time in Panama and places like that, South, Central, uh, South America, Central America and that. I get out, though, and uh, I, I wound up doing a lot for my mother. My brothers were all either on drugs. You know, they they would steal. I would do for her, you know. It's just mm-hmm. the way it was, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. Fix this, fix that. And she'd confide in me, all sorts of crap. 
And uh, turns out she had gone in the hole while I was in the military, unbeknownst to me. And somewhere in the range of like 20 grand. And she was hiding all these financial issues from my stepfather. And uh, no one knew about it. And she was telling me how she had hidden these bills in the closet behind this paneling. And, you know, it wasn't like her to to be that kind of a snake, you know. But she, I don't know. Back then, she was, I don't know. She was afraid to tell him, apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. So nonetheless, she said she hid the bills the first night, and she would call me panicked about it and said she woke up and the bills were laying between her head and Joe's. Oh, and that's husband. weird. Wow. Yeah, she was creeped out because if you knew Joe, if he was to find out about it, and if he found out, it, I know him very well. You know, he's still around. He lives in Florida. And if he was to find out, he would turn the damn light on and wake your ass up and question you that's because he was a, a big big finance boss with stop and shop corporation he took money real serious yeah and it's the only job he's ever had he had worked there from the time he was 16 until he was 60 or something like that yeah so he yeah if, if he knew about that with my mother he would he wouldn't flip out he was the type that would throw tantrums in silence you know like i'll show you but, you know, that's, I don't know what's worse, you know, someone like him quiet or someone loud, you know, but yeah. anyway, it kept happening. She'd wake up and the things would be sitting there again. Wow. Like someone's trying to say, Hey, I know what you're trying to do. Right. Yeah. So next thing you know, my mother would hang around back then, you know, women would go to their neighbors and drink coffee and chain smoke all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that was just what they did. And I had a friend, uh, his name was Ed. And my mother was at his house hanging out with his mother, Lillian. And my brother come running in one day. He was all sorts of upset. And my mother was like questioning him what's going on. And he said he had seen a ghost in the hallway of the house. And this was in the middle of the daytime. And he refused to go back in the house. He was 14. I was a lot older, you know. Not a lot older, but several years older. Right. right. He refused to go back in the house. Anyway, he didn't describe it. I didn't even ask. I wasn't living there. It was like one of those things like I didn't really, I believed it, but I didn't. I was young, not the same person I am now. I didn't really care, to be honest with you. And uh, I sort of thought about it. Well, it turns out I started doing some thinking, and I'm thinking, well, it could be, I said, before we lived there, before anybody did, there was this guy, Mike Brotherton, who grew up in that house, and he was killed on a dirt bike. And I'm thinking, well, that could be the only person it could be would be his his spirit if it was anyone's, you know, but never did figure any of that out. And my brother, he never really got over it. He wound up moving in with my father, you know, about 10 miles away, and you know, it, got, it got out of control. So I don't know exactly what he saw, but anyway, after a while, I had gotten out of the military, and I stayed at my mother's house. For a little bit, I'd say about three months. Not because I had to, it was just a matter of finding somewhere to go, you know, mm-hmm. renting this and that, you know, and I just needed a place to fill my crap for a few weeks or whatever. It turned right. into about three months, though. But while I was there, I, I just get in the shower one day, and it was, it was, her shower was very simple. And at least when I was in it, there was an arrow on the, on the, the dial thing. And then when it was pointing straight up at like 12 o'clock, it would be exactly where I put it every time. It was just simple as that. 
and I was sitting in there just washing my hair, and all of a sudden that thing goes real hot, super hot, and I was like, what the hell, I'm bugging out. So I back out, and uh, I noticed the knobs turned all the way to the left, like super hot. I'm like, well, that's crazy. But I accused my mother of, like, turning the dishes, uh, doing dishes, and she's like, I'm not doing nothing, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I found that to be strange, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, just little things started happening. You'd hear noises. You'd you'd see things out of the corner of your eye. You know, it wasn't nothing, like, definitive. really wasn't at all. It was, I don't know, like, Mm low-key. Yeah. And this little things went on for years, but nothing major. The things with the bills eventually sort of stopped. But I, I never had any issues with it. My older brother moved out. I had taken his room while I was there, and I was sleeping at the end of the house one night. It was about two in the morning, and I woke up. I know it was two. It was one of those alarm clocks there, flashing, you know, red LED, whatever it was. And uh, I remember turning over. I was facing the wall when I woke up. I turned over to my right, and sure as hell, and I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't feel creeped out. I didn't feel anything. But I, I rolled over on my back and looked to my right, and sure as hell, right there, in the weirdest position, you're never going to believe it, there is this gray being, huge, huge. It didn't have, like, the typical black eyes that you would see or think about, though. But it wasn't standing up. It was kneeling, like like you'd see in a storybook, like, present breathing, have you just thinking about uh it was like it was like in a praying position, like you see a kid in a storybook or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I remember starting to get like tense, like, and I'm thinking, is this really happening? All this is like in milliseconds, but is this like really happening type of thing? And it was like this thing was leaving my mind, and I was getting more and more freaked out. And what this thing did, I know it sounds crazy, but I think. What it did, and it was trying to keep me from flipping the hell out. Okay. I couldn't move, though. I was completely paralyzed. Yep. Just could not move anything but my eyes. I'm looking right at this thing. It wasn't threatening me or nothing, but it was only about a foot from my head. And, again, it was on its, it looked like it had to have been on its knees. It wasn't nothing that short. Yeah, I know it was. But it looked at me, and it what it did was it took and tried you could see it still there, but it threw an image of my younger brother, like, over. it overlaid its own self with, like, a hard, it's hard, hard to explain, like a three-dimensional image of my brother he tried to, like, throw over the top of himself. Interesting. To sort of, like, camouflage himself to keep my fear level down. Yeah. Is what I think it was trying to do. Because I was like, I remember thinking, I know what you're trying to do, you bastard. You know, I can still see you under there, you know. Right. But it, I, it did help. It did help, though, because it was creepy. This thing had eyes like a damn cow. Huge eyes, man. And, like, those black eyes, you see, I think those are some type of, like, sunglass-type things where they can just peel on and off like a contact lens. I really do. Ah. I don't know why, but I just think that because... Well, I don't know. I just think like this thing, it would have looked perfect with black eyes. It would have been the stereotypical gray. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it had like, it looked like regular, I wouldn't say human though. Like I said, it looked like a cow's eye, horse eye. It was huge. Oh, that's creepy. 
But, you know, the weird thing is, is uh, I remember, too, all of a sudden, I had no fear. I'm looking right at this thing. I'm still completely immobile. All of a sudden, I just, I remember this thing. I didn't get no telepathy, except it wasn't no voices in your head type thing. It was more of a feeling. Yep. Where yep. I felt mm. like it was okay to calm down. And I remember just sort of, all of a sudden, I was able to move, and I rolled back over. It was like, it didn't tell me, hey, chill out and just go back to sleep. But I could sense that that's what it wanted. And I, for whatever reason, I had no, I felt no need to flip the hell out. I wow. felt no fear. I should have, but however it dissolved the fear, it, it did. It wasn't because it threw an image of my brother up. That didn't do it. Mm-hmm. It didn't touch me, as far as I'm aware of. Not while I was awake and aware of it. Right. At all. I mean, you know, it just, again, like I said, the fear just dissipated. And you just rolled over and went to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is like a lot of people listening or, or even any, most people, even myself, if I was to hear it, I'd say, yeah, you know, you were dreaming. But it's like, it's like you, you know yourself. I know myself. You know, you're never going to convince anybody by just saying, well, you know, I was aware. It's one of those things you're just either going to have to take your word for it or not. You know, I know I was wide awake. I know, you know, it is what it is. And it's not even, it's not even negotiable. It never happened again right away. Again, I was pretty young when it happened. I moved out. It was one of those things, like, it wasn't even worth making a fuss over. There was no internet, really. There was nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Even look at encyclopedias, you know what I mean? Or oh, talk to yeah. somebody. Yeah. You know, there was nobody. It was one of those things where, you know, if you mentioned UFOs, you were a laughing stock back then. And I wasn't worried about getting ridiculed. I could give a crap less. I've never been that way. Because I really don't care what people think. When it's the truth, it's the truth. And mm-hmm. you can't argue with it. And that's just the way it is. You know, uh, life went on, you know. Do you remember about what yeah. year this was? Yeah, it was about, well, about 19, I'd say 1990. Mm-hmm. 1990 or so. So, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about my experience with Grays. It was right around that same time. Um, no, actually, no. Yeah, very, very similar. Mine didn't calm me down at all. I was very upset, very angry, and there were three of them there. But they put the image, like you said, I, you know, I think it's, they call it a screen memory of doctors in doctor's outfits. And it just upset me. I was, I was very upset. But when you say that they were communicating in your head, but they weren't using words, that's exactly how I talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. They were getting it's the message. very hard to explain. They were getting the message across somehow. But it wasn't. I just, it was like, I just knew. Yeah. I can't even explain it. Like, you know your name. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to think about it. It's just like it was always there. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly. It was just like it was already rehearsed or something. Yeah. Very difficult. Very difficult. Even to this day, all these years later, I still, uh, you know, I think of like Bud Hopkins and stuff, and I'm like, man. I would love to go through like regression therapy or something like that. But then again, there's part of me that would not. Right. Because I don't want to rehash nothing. And I'd be afraid to find out a lot of it because I know a lot of it's been buried and or forgotten 
or taken and not allowed to be kept as a memory. Mm-hmm. That's happened quite a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it just went from one thing to another. Again, I've always had an interest, I'll be quite frank with that, but I've never went looking for a ghost. I never played with Ouija boards or anything, actually, you know. I always looked at it like, well, it was always something to be feared, even though I got, as a young kid, I got a good little rush off the average campfire story, just like every other kid. But when it came down to it, I minded my own business, you know. And it was one of those things where I just felt, well, there was an old house across the street from us that was abandoned, and I just insisted it was haunted. And I had no reason to think that. It was just because it was dark. And I remember my cousin dragging me across the street and forced me to look in the window and like, see, there ain't no ghost, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, there was no telling me. I was just one of those things I just always knew. You know, again, I never had no issues with anything, anything like that. Just a couple little things over the years, like I just said. I wind up getting married. I had a son. I was married, I don't know, six years or so at the time. I had a son when I was at 30. No, I had my daughter at 27, my son at 30, actually. And uh, everything during that, basically from like 20 to 30, nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing really. I wound up getting divorced because you know, it was a financial issue. She was a gambler, and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And I worked a lot, you know, a lot of years thinking I had a lot of money, and I didn't have anything. So, yeah, it was a shock. It caused a lot of problems. But yeah. nonetheless... Yeah. We overcame that. We wanted to get divorced, though, but I still saw my son four days a week. Everything was good, but I wound up moving, and I was doing a lot of uh, a lot of commuting and uh, something I wasn't used to, and neither was he. And he was young. He was only about, I don't know, eight, something like that, when this all started, maybe seven. I had met this girl. And I worked at Foxwood in, at Connecticut, in Connecticut. It's like an Indian casino. Well, altogether, I did 20 years over there as a carpenter, you know, and I had started like emptying garbage cans. I didn't start at the top by any means, but I worked outside doing remodeling and stuff and things were going completely normal. I got divorced, met a girl at the casino who I had known. She was a casino supervisor and we wound up just dating and we didn't really go together very long. Maybe it's, I don't know, nine months. And wound up getting married. I bought a house. I know that sounds crazy. It, it was crazy looking back at it. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I was just looking for a quick, I don't know. Looking back, it was an emotional decision. You know, not mm-hmm. a smart one by any means. I just wanted a quick fix to my so-called, I don't know what I wanted. I wanted everything to go away and wanted everything I had back, obviously. Right. It wasn't going right. to come around. So I tried to replace it. You know, that was foolish. It was. It turned into a mess, but it took a long time to turn into a mess. But here we are. I'm. I'm. I'm dating her. She owned a house, but it, it was pretty pathetic. She owned a house, but it was actually bought by her mother. She had to buy it out from her mother to keep her mother from losing it. Another gambler. So here I am working at a casino while my wife's dumping money in that same casino. You know what I'm saying? Talk about ridiculous. So, same with her mother. So, she wanted to buy in that house. So, I'm dating her. There was absolute resentment when I came along. I never got a fair shake from day one. She hated me, and that was just it. Because she knew I had a good job, chances are her life was going to change. And it wasn't going to benefit her and her husband, you know, the wife's stepfather, at at all. Mm -hmm. Everything was in my wife's name 
anyway. Things did change. I bought a house within like four months, but I was staying there, and it was a duplex. Again, in an old mill town, the, the typical duplex you'd see in these mill towns. It was like 1880s. It might have gone back early as 1870. And these towns are all the same. They're all built along the rivers, you know, right. with the big house on the hill run by the guy with the cigar, you know, and all the little <laughs> people down below, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of comical. But, uh, yeah, so here we are staying in the place. And I noticed, this is when all things really started to unfold in my life. I don't know if it was triggered by stress, because I'm thinking back at the time, things were actually going going well, you know. It went from during the divorce to, you know, on the mend, you know, my relationship with my son was uh, maintained throughout. And I, he'd come out as unscathed as I could possibly make it. Mm -hmm. So I did my best to make it like it wasn't even going on. You know, my son never seen me under the influence of anything or anything like that. Never saw me hold a beer, you know. Right. Adopting a dog can be one of the best decisions you make in your life, but sometimes trying to raise a dog can leave you frustrated and overwhelmed. Maybe you have a new puppy who's mouthing and biting, needs help with potty training, maybe it has fear and nervousness issues, barking issues, maybe it's chewing on things it shouldn't be chewing on. If you need help with crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and much more, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. They can teach you what to do and also what not to do. With their relationship-based approach to training, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and one-on-one options are, of course, available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks which is not how you think, Allison. It's not. I know you think you think like a puppy, but you don't. Is this because of my mouthing and crate training problems? <laughs> Again, you can find 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Hey, and thanks for letting me out of the crate for the episode. <laughs> Yeah, so things were going great. I don't know what triggered it, but anyway, I'm living with her, as I said. And uh, I had bought a house, but we're waiting for closing, which was whatever, a couple, three weeks down the road away. And she was at work. I don't know. I was off three days a week because I worked 10-hour days, which was, it was beautiful. And I had so much time in, you know, it was like I was never there. It was better than being a fireman, you know. <laughs> so, really, you know, I got several weeks a year off, plus, you know, well, it takes two vacation days, and I got a vacation, you know? Right. Or a week off, rather, because, you know, 10-hour days are beautiful. Yeah. Back to it. She was at work one day. I'm kind of like, I think due to the military, I'm kind of a neat freak. I'll let my place get trashed. I'm alone now. I just got me and the two dogs. But, like, I'll let it get trashed throughout the day, but come first thing in the morning, I'm going right through it. Place will be spotless before mm-hmm. I leave the house. Why? It's just the way it is, so... I was at the place, her house there at the time. She's at work. I'm by myself doing laundry. I'm down there, and there's cobwebs in the basement everywhere. I'm talking cobwebs that are probably dated back to 1870. <laughs> right. Mice, you know what I'm saying? Mice everywhere. I couldn't take it. 
So I went upstairs and grabbed the vacuum. I'm just sucking up these cobwebs. I'm down there a couple hours, and all of a sudden, and this has never happened, I shut that thing down. I was like, and I'm looking over the corner of this room. It's all stone foundation, very uh, dirt floor. And uh, I'm looking over, and I don't see anything. But boy, I, if ever I ever felt I was being stared at, it was unreal. It was giving me the willies. And I turned the machine back on, and I gave it another five minutes or so, and I shut it back down. I'm looking over again. I'm like, hell with this, man. I got to go. I went back upstairs. It just was like, Ugh. and I tried to, like, just literally, as they say, shake it off kind of thing as I exited the basement. I didn't think much about it. I mean, you know, it's just strange. But, again, never expecting anything to unfold. and No history. It just it came and went. And the next thing you know, like three days later, the wife had a couple of days off. And we were sitting there. It was the afternoon. And basically doing nothing. TV wasn't even on. We were just sitting in the living room. I think she had a motorcycle I bought her. I had one. And she said, oh, it was one of my own. So I just took her to ride. Got her her own bike. Went on. So we were going to go out on the bike. We were sitting in the living room. And uh, getting ready to go out. Went and I'm sitting in the chair waiting. And she comes in and sits down. In those old houses, there's like grates above your head in the ceiling, which is obviously the floor upstairs, you know, mm-hmm. in the bedroom. And it would just go into one particular room. It wasn't like there was a lot of them. It probably didn't do a whole lot. But anyway, above through that grate was what her and it was her bedroom. It was there you know, when she moved when I moved in, she was already established. Right. So I just kind of weaseled my way in so I can <laughs> say it was our bedroom, you know. So, yeah, there was an old dresser, a five-drawer chest upstairs, loaded with crap, and uh, it was sitting with one of the legs was on the grate, I think, or very close to it, if not. Anyway, I'm sitting downstairs directly under it on a love seat. She's right next to me. The house is completely quiet, and uh, no kids, nothing. It's dead silent. And all of a sudden, I hear... And this went on. I'm looking at her and I know, I know the sound. And I'm like, I'm looking at her and I sort of smile, this Mona Lisa smile. Like, you hear that? She's like, obviously, yeah. I'm like, and I knew she knew what it was. And I'm like, that's the damn dresser. That's the the escutcheons on the dresser drawer, the handles, you know. And, Mm. uh, so I went upstairs and I'm like, that's crazy. I never heard that before. And I'm like, I know, you know, they're not super heavy, but they're, you know, they're solid. And I went upstairs and I, I shoved, I tried to like just put my shoulder into the dresser. I did everything you could possibly think of to get that uh, drawer handle to rattle. And it would not rattle unless you took your fingertip and literally flipped it up and let you know, tick, 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 and let it drop. That's huh. the only way. No matter what, you can jump up and down to to the cows come home. It wasn't going to move. So I found that very weird. So yeah. I don't know why I called the life up. I'm like, look at this crap. Isn't this weird? You know? Yeah, that's weird. And, you know, again, it was just like we wanted buying the house and left that one and left the damn uh, the story behind with it as far as the dresser went. That was it. So I had two little things, like I said, the dresser drawer and then, you know, the feeling of being looked at. But that was nothing. 
really. So anyway, we wound up getting clothing comes, and that clothing I requested, when I went and looked at the house, it was loaded. This woman was like 80 years old. It was loaded with everything she's ever owned. And all I really wanted was, I wanted it all out, but it was a an antique dining set I wanted. It was a Queen Anne revival. It wasn't original, but it was awesome. Reproductions. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I asked her about throwing that in her clothing. She, so she not only did she agree to, well, she agreed to. That was that. Clothing comes, they give us the keys. We do our thing, the wife and I get a bunch of crap together. And we already knew I was going to gut the upstairs. And, you know, it's a typical remodeling story, you know, mm-hmm. where I don't know if something would have happened, whether I did remodel or not. I really don't know. Cause it, all I know is I went up there and it was, it was a four-bedroom cake. It was a typical house. You walk upstairs, there's a bedroom on the left, bedroom on the right, stairs on the dead center, nothing really fancy. And it was right out of the 60s. The house was built in 1960. Uh, so it was in the neighborhood. And um, the lady who lived there prior to me, a Greek woman, she was the original owner. And there was still original owners that were elderly, one immediately next door to me, who will come into play later on. But this woman and her husband died young, and she raised a daughter and uh, her son there. Well... I didn't realize how my life was going to go. We go in there that first day, we start ripping the handling down, nothing happens. And then the following day, she's at work, I'm in there, kids are at school. I'm in there by myself, just pulling the walls apart, doing my thing. And I noticed when you, the uh, front door, when you open it and close it, you really had to pull. And you had to really push when you shut it. There's a lot of suction and there was like weather stripping. Just, it was a heavy front door. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to come through it, you were going to push to open it, you know, and or pull, depending on what side you're on. Anyway, I hear the screen door open. I was in, like, in between cutting two-by-fours. I was re-putting some, I changing out some studs, moving some electrical. I had a pile of just lumber in the living room that immediately downstairs. So I'm doing my thing, and all of a sudden I hear the screen door open, and sure as shit, I hear the the front door open, and I'm upstairs now with my back to the bedroom door. I'm in one of the rooms with my back to the door. And I'm not far, I'm, you know, downstairs is what, 12 feet? You know, it's like right out the door and down the down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I hear the door sh- open, I hear the door shut. And I'm thinking, well, and then I hear boom, 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 heavy-footed somebody coming up the stairs. And I'm thinking, well, I'm still thinking the whole time it's got to be my wife that out early. And I'm thinking, well, she's got, she's not that big. You know, she sounds like an elephant today. Hmm. Maybe she's got her bike boots on, riding boots or something, you know. Sounds like she's pissed or weighs, you know, 100 pounds more than she did when she left. So I'm back to the door and the noise stops and I hear, and I still got my back to the door. I'm, I'm expecting her to literally lean over my shoulder and say hello any millisecond, and it doesn't happen. And just as I'm about to turn around to see where she's at and why she hasn't said nothing, I hear, what the F's going on here? In this deep voice, you need wow. this F word out of the blue. What the F is going on here? When he goes to the F word, I was already falling to the ground. And uh, I was already sort of on the ground. I was on my knees, and I was getting up. 
and I never even got close to standing up. It took me by such a shock. I fell down, landed on my side, and I looked up towards the door, and I knew instantly. My whole world just changed. My entire paradigm, you know, you talk about a shift. It was unbelievable. Everything I ever knew, thought, anything, it all immediately changed. I got up, walked out of the room, completely sort of panicked because I didn't know what this meant. I didn't right. know what was going to happen. Anyway, I get down to the bottom of the stairs. Well, I just did what I felt was natural. I looked back up the stairs and I pointed and I was pissed. I remember saying, I know you were real. And I'm pointing as I'm doing this. I'm like, I don't know who the F you are, but I know one thing, you better not ever F with my kids. And I walked away. I walked into the living room and I light a cigarette and there's a styrofoam cup there that's half full of water. And I'm, I'm sort of like hyping on this cigarette so fast you can hear it crackle. Hmm. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm wanting to call my wife, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know anything at this point. All I know is like, holy crap, that was real. And I'm wishing like hell it wasn't. But I knew it. I had something I had to come to accept. And so anyway, I'm sitting down there for like five minutes smoking a cigarette. I stand up, I grab this two by four. I'm like, well, here goes nothing. And I'm going back up there all along, thinking that whatever's said that was already still up there. But anyway, I go and grab the two by four and I'm take a deep breath. I'm like, here it goes. And I go to go up the stairs and I'm about halfway up the stairs. Boom, I feel something hit my left shoulder. And you know what it was? That damn cup full of water, man, was... When I stood up, I took the cigarette and it went, and I threw it right out in the water and grabbed the two by four and walked away. And I got up to the middle of the stairs and slapped that damn cup of water hit me on my left shoulder blade. Wow. Couldn't, could not believe what that was. Could not believe that. That really blew my effing mind. That got me so worked up. I'm thinking, wow, that's power, you know? Yeah. Take some serious, and I don't know nothing about this crap back then as far as, technical stuff all i knew is i immediately knew that had to take some doing to move objects and whatnot because right. i know just to make yourself known has to take a lot of ambition you know so anyway on my heart is thumping and i'm like that is it for the day you know i'm like reveling just talking about it yeah that's but, intense uh, so you never saw anything that day not then no nope. yeah no but it made itself really known. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't say nothing to my wife. And what happened was is since I had the upstairs, like basically gutted out, there was still two bedrooms downstairs. So I gave my son one and the daughter the other. And my wife and I were made a, I just had a makeshift bedroom in the, in the living room at night. I had just mattresses flipped up against the wall that I just threw down and used the living room while I was working upstairs. And we're laying in there, and it took several weeks for me to do both rooms. It took quite a while, just me. Anyway, uh, lay in there, and I'm hearing damn music. And I, I'm like, it's driving me crazy. It sounds like it sounds like it's coming from the damn neighbor's house. Like, it's so subtle, but you can hear it. You're not going to identify, like, where the hell it's coming from. I get up, I'm going outside, listening, walking around the house, it's driving me crazy. No, my wife's not saying anything. She falls asleep very easily. But anyway, 
three weeks goes by and I'm working upstairs, still making making do in the living room. And she was up one night, it's like eleven ish. And I'm listening as I'm laying there and like all of a sudden out of the blue she says to me, Do you hear music? I'm like, You freaking hear that too? You hear that? I couldn't believe it. I was so thrilled that I wasn't nuts. Right. Yeah, so she she acknowledged it and I was like, What? I can't figure out. I told her I mean, was, I didn't say nothing, but it's been going on for weeks. Anyway, I, her and I, you know, here we are trying to play Colombo, trying to figure out. It sounded like, like a lot of things. It sounded like it was coming through the walls or out of the walls or like in it from another room outside or a car outside. But all I know is it was damn um, jazz. Hmm. Uh, jazz. I think, well, Madam Butterfly, is that jazz? I'm pretty sure it might be. Anyway, that's what was going, Madam Butterfly album. I guess that was a big deal in the 60s. So, anyway, the reason I know that is because things started to go on more and more, but I noticed they were only going on when I was the only one there. So I went next door. I'm in a panic now, you know. It's already at home that I'm living in a haunted house, man. Right. I don't know what to do about it. And I'm a very vocal person, and I was always known, like, kind of like, I hate to say it, but like I'm always the one that winds up the center of attraction. Even if it's like unknowingly, it just happens, you know. You've got to got to be the class clown and that <laughs> kind of thing, and it's always been the way. So it's like I'm always yakking about something, but I don't ever lie, you know. But I, you know, I, I've entertained people at work, but all of a sudden the laughing stopped, and I started going to work and telling people what was going on. And then word got out to my director, well, my immediate supervisor, and then eventually to my director and whatnot. He called me down, and I explained to this dude, Glenn, and like, I told him the whole story. He knows I wasn't the one to bullshit. And uh, I told him, I'm like, listen, Glenn, at the time, see what happened was he was getting escalated, and uh, I had already taken pictures, and there, I already had them on the laptop. But what happened was is she points out the music thing. Never did figure that out. Eventually it just stopped. But time's going by. I finally finished the upstairs room. The daughter goes off. She was going like getting ready for college or something like that. Vietnam. She was getting up there in years. Time's going by. I hadn't been there long. I hadn't been there just a couple of few months. Things are getting like Nothing major going on. I hear banging around, but I haven't seen anything. So I'm laying there, and I'm in my room. And I, I have a pretty damn good idea, looking back on it now, and learning what I've learned. That the woman who lived there, her name was, her nickname anyway, her name was Casper, but they called her Kitty. And my neighbor, who was like in her late 80s, when I went over there, her and her husband, Joe, I started quizzing them about the house. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I was like, listen, this place is haunted. And she laughed in my face. I get the hell out of here. And she was like, even though they were old, they were living like it was still 1965, you know, with the Tom Collins glasses and, you know, drinking Miller's beer. And they <laughs> partied hard for older people, you know. Mm -hmm. And I had, like, I worked like, four to two in the afternoon and I get out of work. I'd always, I'd go over and have a beer with the old lady and all that, you know, 
and the old man and just talk. And over time, she didn't believe me, but then I said, well, listen, Anna, I'm hearing music coming out of the effing walls. And she's like, well, what kind of music? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like jazz or something. And she's like, her eyes lit up. She's like, you know, she listened to music every day over there. Every day she had Madame Butterfly going on and on and on. Back then, I guess, in the summer, the windows would be open. And it was like 40 feet between houses. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we started to really listen after a while. And I, I asked her about what went on in the house, any history, anything bad or any of that kind of thing. And she's like, no, she was pretty revered. She had a heart attack. She died at the hospital. And then, you know, I actually think she died at Dallas. I think, because I know one thing, when I went in that room, that was ground zero for spirits, because I seen them come out. I know where, where they came out of. It was like a portal right in the corner of the room. They're coming out of that corner. I watched them come out of there and watched them go in. Anyway, uh, turns out I'm asking about the family and whatnot. And she said that the guy who lived there, the kid, the, the son, his name was John Jr., but they called him Jackie. And then the daughter... I forgot where her name was, but it's irrelevant because she never really had much to do with it except selling me the place later on. So anyway, the son's name's Jackie, and he was a big dude, and he was always in trouble. That's all I really got out of it. He was a partier, kind of a ruffian, always in trouble. Anyway, I, from what I understand, the wife's always, his mother's always bailing him out of the trouble and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I get more than inquisitive. I want to get to the bottom of it. People are telling me do this, do that, do this, do that. So anyway, I wind up going to Walmart. I buy a little $35 recorder, digital recorder, and holy crap, did that thing work. It worked too good. I had no idea what was going to come over that thing, but son of a gun, it was unbelievable. I can't begin to tell you what was what was going on. I know, it was unbelievable. I heard come over that thing. My wife had a little dog. I didn't really get along with it. It was like a one-person lap dog. I can't stand small dogs anyway. So we didn't really see eye to eye, but we were on good terms, you know. But anyway, my wife was like, what? And all that crap. And uh, so I, I take it and I ask, you know, I, like, I know you're here. I know someone's here. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And immediately... I hear a raspy, raspy voice. Now, I also found out through my neighbor, though, like this guy died at 55 years old in Florida, lung cancer, all this stuff. So, again, like I say, I have the uh, digital recorder. I ask all the questions, and I give it a little bit and rewind it, give it time to answer and whatnot, and then I rewind it and play it. I mean, you can hear me clearly ask. There's no one in the house but me and the wife. You know, who's here? And, and then very clearly, but raspy. The guy's like, John. Very raspy. But he says John. And then he says John Cox Jr., his last name. And you can hear me. I say back, well, how do I know? You could be anybody. I mean, you say you're this dude, but you could be anybody. What was your nickname when you were growing up? And he comes back with, Oh, wow. And I say, you know, yeah. So I'm like, well, where'd you die? And he goes, of what? And then he goes, no, cancer. 
He's got cancer. It was cancer. He come on. And I believe my wife's looking at me like, holy, like having a full blown conversation with this thing. And, uh, I just could not believe it. And then the next things were help me, you know? And I was like, help you. What am I going to do? You know, I had no idea what was going on. Right. All I know is next thing, you know, things were getting worse and worse and worse. And like a fool, I'm like, talking with my wife i'm like this dude wants help from me and like and i'm thinking you know every it's already my wife fully is fully aware of what's going on now and i filled her in of what she didn't know and it didn't none of this stuff affected her or my kids thank god good and uh i go to bed that night uh and i'm laying there i'm still awake and out of the blue something grabbed my feet and it sent electrical shocks through not just my toes, but right through my feet, all the way up through my calves. It's like an like electrical shock, like you stuck your fingers in a light socket. And this went on a couple, it would go on like three or four times until I wind up like in the fetal position. That's the only way to stop it. Mm. That's the only way. It was just driving me crazy. And that's what this thing was doing, was literally trying to drive me crazy. Wow. I would do a lot of overtime back then. You know, I was younger. Had a lot more ambition. I was pulling out, you know, pulling some serious hours, making good money. But it's as if this thing knew, and you know, it, it, you know, I was seriously, it was, uh, serious sleep deprivation. But you know, the more tired I got, the worse things got. And I swear to God, this thing, talk about scary. Isn't it? I swear to you, I'm laying in bed, and it's the typical shit with my feet. I'm getting shocked, getting shocked. And all of a sudden, I see this ball of light come flying in the room. I could see it with my eyes. And it went, and just come flying in, and it took its left, which went to my right, and was flying around, and it came down next to my wife on her side, and it went through the alarm clock. And when the ball of light went through the alarm clock, it shot out this massive static noise, just complete squelch. Like, it was going haywire. And as soon as it got like a foot away from it, it was only a quick second where as it went through it, it made all hope broke loose. And then it shot around and I didn't see it. I don't know where it went or none of that. But I, I wound up becoming very familiar with those things and I, I got to know exactly what the hell they are. So we're laying there and all of a sudden, I feel, I swear, under, my, under the pillow, I feel this like a shove and... I, I could feel it. The pillow was not that thick. I could feel it so plainly. I felt this hand just start like kneading the back of my head through oh. the pillow very slowly. And I was literally gonna like ready to throw up with fear. I, I've never been so scared in my life. I didn't know what to do. The only real answer I had was for one thing, I had gotten hit on my motorcycle, so I had been out of work and a little while prior to all this stuff and uh i had xanax left over from from whatever and i wanted to be eating those things and, uh, and just you know the reason is just to get to sleep mm-hmm. anyway i don't know i wound up running out of them and i wanted to get them refilled and getting them refilled and that went on for a long time to the point you know i was i was eating them like candy i had no choice but yeah i grew i grew a, a rather a good size addiction to the things where i just i Without him, I couldn't sleep. That's just the way it was. You know, it's gone now. It's been gone for years, but it was a bitch getting off those things. But I had no choice. But 
you know, again, that was the only thing that kept my fear. It gave me, uh, it didn't give me bravery, but it kept me from looking like too much of a, a sissy. But this stuff was horrifying. And I'm in uncharted waters, and throughout this, all this is going on, my wife's laying right next to me, snoozing away. Mm-hmm. You know, just, she didn't snore, but she was out cold, you know, and the only time she'd wake up is when I'd, she, I, she would wake up when I'd be standing there swearing in my underwear, challenging these things, whoever's doing it. It was absolutely incredible, yeah. So, again, it's one thing after another. And this didn't all go on in one night, but what I'm telling you all happened in that bedroom over the course of several years. A good example when I was laying in bed one night, and it was somewhere between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And I just happened to open my eyes. And I, I had the alarm was set before 30, so I was used to getting up around that time. So it wasn't irregular for me to open my eyes around that time, 3, 4 o'clock. I opened my eyes, and the exact same time I'm opening my eyes, and I'm on my back, my door to that room is not far 12 to 14 feet max. And uh, I can see it from the dining room down the hall. I can see out very well. And this little dude comes up. I don't know what it was. I never saw its face because it was backlit from the dining room light. So the back of it was lit up, but the front of it was just darkness. From It was, wasn't in my room, but it was literally in the doorway. It hadn't taken a step in, but I don't know what it was. All I know is it had a black damn cloak, like you'd see in Star Wars, literally a cape or a hood. A hood. Mm-hmm. And it had the hood on. It had the hood on. And it, all I saw was this, I was no more than three feet tall. And it was just a, a, a figure, black figure. I never saw its face. I never saw its hands. I never saw any detail. All I know is that it was looking at me. I was looking at it. And they had to have been able to see in the dark because it knew I was awake. And all it did was, it didn't threaten me at all. It turned around, didn't about face, and walked down the hall. That was it. This is going to be a seamless segue, by the way. Right? Yeah. I think that's a pretty perfect puppy. It is. I do like this photo. We're back to... Photo of the week. Well, it's still the curiosity of the week, but yeah. we but photos can be curiosities, and this one's a pretty cute curiosity, I have to say. This is a guy who clearly loves his dog. Yeah, it's a fellow and his dog. What year would this be? I'm I'm going to guess in the twenties, maybe. But yeah, I think it's yeah, maybe even a, a tad earlier. It looks like it's an unmounted photo. So like you, when you were in the early days of having your own camera. camera mm-hmm. You could buy mounts for things, or they could just be loose, like the pictures we come to know. So okay. this one looks like an amateur shot, but a very cute one. I think this dog could probably do a lot of tricks. I just, <laughs> <laughs> But he's definitely a very loyal companion. That's what I like about it. They seem like they're really like, they both have the same energy. <laughs> yeah, this is a curiosity of the week. Yeah. Probably some kind of mutt. I can't really. Yeah, he's tell. got he's got a little bit of um, a little bit of beagle, maybe. Yeah, a little bit of beagle in him, but there's something else with him, and he's it's super cute. So we have a very very cute curiosity of the week. A fellow holding this puppy. If you go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com under this episode, you will see an image of this photograph. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and other photos of the week. It's true. It's true. 
also at Etsy, copies of my books. We have all of my books in stock right now. If you order them from Etsy, they come signed. I think apparitions, illustrations of the other, make a good Christmas gift. Somebody's <laughs> into spooky stuff. <laughs> That said, why not a good Thanksgiving gift, really? That said, I think all of my books would make great gifts for anybody who's into spooky stuff or weirdo stuff or whatever, you know, the paranormal, whatever you call this stuff. Also at our Etsy shop is prints of my artwork, some originals. I will be adding more originals soon. Strange Familiars t-shirts. We should be getting restocks at some point. They're on order. So whenever they come in, we'll, we'll restock those. We do have limited sizes right now. Strange Familiars patches, and more. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, one word. But if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad Shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors, for the finest in vintage outdoors mini stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And our friends at Karmic Garden, who have Strange Familiars and Flannel Man scents of soap, hand sanitizers, and much, much more. You know what you can't get on Etsy? The Witch Cloud. You can't get it there. You can't get it. You have to get it from stonebreath.bandcamp.com to get the hardcover book with the audio download. Eventually, I will make a mass market version as a trade paperback, and it will be available on Amazon and stuff. And at that point, I'll throw the book by itself up on Etsy. But for now, the only place to get it is from the Stonebreath Bandcamp, and you get that nice hardcover book, which will be only available directly from us. I think at some point, maybe this week, it's a busy week, so it might not be, but at some point, I'm going to put up on Etsy the very first Stone Breath record. Do you know what that was called, Allison? Do you remember? It's a trick question, isn't it? Because it's called Strange Familiars. It's called Strange Familiars. It's kind of the record that started it all. 1996? Was it? It might even be 95. 95 or 96. Remember us that way. There's a picture of us when yes, we were really young. <laughs> there's a picture of Allison and I on the back, sitting in the cemetery at... Uh, Ziegler's Church. Ziegler's Church, yeah, which we covered way, way back in the episode on Seven Valleys. The one guy who they say his, his headless ghost rides through Seven Valleys. He's buried there. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. That cemetery has been on the podcast. Well, before there were ever even things called podcasts, we sat there and had our photo taken. And that photo is on Stonebreast's first record called Strange Familiars. So I think it's, you know, quite a collector's item and maybe of interest to people who listen to the podcast. I only have one. Do we have a copy? (laughs) We, We have a copy to give to our children. I think I have a couple copies that can fight over them. But I will sign this. I can't remember ever signing any of those records. So this will be, to my knowledge the only one that's ever been signed. So I will sign it, and we will put up on our Etsy shop, and uh, I have no clue how much it's worth. I don't know. If anybody wants it before I put up on Etsy, you want to shoot me an offer, go ahead, because I have no clue what this thing is worth. There were 300 made, I think, around 300, and they've been sold out since 1995. Can we just pass it off that that's what we look like now? (laughs) Sure. Can we just pretend it was from last year? (laughs) There is very little wizard in me. My hair was short, no beard. And it was black, mostly, Yeah, a little bit of gray. Yeah, very, very little bit of gray. I may or may not make a package of that with, uh, I found another Stonebreath 7-inch that we did with our friends Fit and Limo. It was a German band. 
and uh, it was a split record we did with them. I may or may not put them together. I might separate those. In any case, these are new old stock finds. That's called dead stock, right? No, it's new old stock. That's just they—they're not dead. <laughs> I just forgot they were there. We just isn't that what dead stock them. is? Just stuff that people just didn't. dead stock is on. It has the to me. It's like it's it couldn't be sold. These could have sold had I known they were there. I think that's what dead stock is. No, dead stock is like boxes of stuff that can't be sold. But now we have that. Too. <laughs> we got a lot. We got of that. C- boxes of CDs. We ran a record label. The record business crashed in about two thousand seven. We have boxes and boxes of CDs from from many many artists in the basement, but uh, no. Yeah, make us an offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those might be going up on Etsy soon, and of course, you know, all that helps support the podcast. Another way to support the podcast is to become our patron. You can go to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/StrangeFamiliars. We have been doing two full extra episodes a month of Strange Familiars for our patrons. We hope to continue that schedule through the busy holidays. There's a bunch of different tiers of support at Patreon, but no matter what tier you go in at, you get those extra episodes every month. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And I want to thank our patrons for supporting the show. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. Thank you so much. Anything to add, Allison? No, I don't think so. No, no appearances this week? You don't. I'm, have... I'm appearing as an audience member. It's the only gig I'm playing this, this week. You're not doing a set at Ha Ha's Comedy Club? No, no. Gaffalls? <laughs> <laughs> on Falls Road. It would be good if Gaffalls was on Falls Road. It would. All right. We will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com, where you can also pick up The Witch Cloud, Strange Familiars, episode 300. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com, slash strangefamiliars. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. And you can always find us on the World Wide Web. <laughs> at strangefamiliars.com.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.